The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. Rugby <laughs> <laughs> Rugby Weekly. Hello everybody and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly with the 42. Well, one minute you're tucked into bed ready to nod off and the next minute you're pacing up and down your garden, shaking your fist and screaming Jerry Thorny's name into the night sky. 11pm last night on the Irish Times, it was reported that Jorge Snyman will be making his move to Leinster upon the conclusion of his monster contract. And you can be damn sure we're going to get into that as well as all of the team news ahead of a big, big Champions Cup weekend for all four provinces with Murray Kinsler. Great to see you, Murray. How are you doing? I'm good, Gav. I'm sorry to hear that you were so disturbed by this news. <laughs> yeah, disturbed only from a newsman's point of view, to be fair, because you just feel as though the it was already a really busy day with David Nusifor's briefing and all of the strands and <laughs> stories that came from that, all of which was interesting as well. We're going to get into a lot of that on Monday's pod with Birch. But yeah, you're just going to settle in for the night and suddenly the biggest news story of the season so far arguably in Irish rugby breaks and biggest for a few years probably and fair play to Jerry Thorny in the Irish Times massive massive story because it kind of is something that you couldn't even make up isn't it it's just it's so out there and yet it makes sense on so many levels when you kind of digest it so an unbelievable story to break fair play to, to Jerry on that I only saw it this morning I we had guests over last night, so I wasn't on my phone. Uh, went to bed un- unwittingly, um, unaware that it was going to be a, a kind of mad day to- today. But there's so many strands to it. There's just so many strands to it. There's so many different issues layered on on top of layer. And yeah, maybe we should try and untangle some of those. <laughs> Let's do it. You said that it makes sense on a lot of levels. What are those levels to begin with? It makes sense for Leinster because they're signing an excellent player who's going to be an upgrade on Jason Jenkins who it seems is is going to leave obviously there's the risk of of injury and I think that risk was probably there with Jason Jenkins too and he, and he did get injured in, in fairness last season but if they're luckier with Snyman than Munster were they're going to have an unbelievable trio of locks in their front line match day 23 aren't they in, in McCarthy James Ryan and Orgy Snyman and we know you need a trio of them to, to win at the top level now you need a you need a, a really impactful bench to win trophies and a fit Orgy Simon in in that trio whichever way they decide to go for big games would be phenomenal really he knows Jack Nienaber incredibly well and Jack Nienaber knows him incredibly well so there's a, a relationship there makes sense for Orgy Simon in, in some ways in many ways because he and his family wouldn't have to leave Ireland and it wouldn't be the upheaval of of shifting countries again with a, a young kid as far as I'm aware that, that he and his wife have so uh, yeah, th- that kind of makes sense to me on, on that level. Uh, I think if confirmed, it's a really good signing for Leinster. Probably the biggest they've made in, I, I, I don't know, like a long time. It's biggest since Rocky Elsom, I think. Probably, yeah. Brad Thorne was big, but that wasn't a kind of long-term thing. It was in and out and did a brilliant job, but probably since since Rocky, yeah. Could be, yeah, I mean, they may win a trophy this season, but you think with, with Snyman in there in the mix. The kind of signing they've been looking for and even though they signed Jenkins, it probably wasn't the caliber of second row that they'd really been going after. And that's not to say Jenkins isn't a good player. I, I think he I think he is, but Simon clearly a, a double World Cup winner who was 
a truly elite second row. So that's the player they've been wanting to get. And it's just funny that it was right under all of our noses and none of us really kind of put two and two together when it was clear that Simon w- was going to leave. But it seems like Leinster have, have pounced. You mentioned you'd guess over last night and you're actually off today. So we appreciate you joining us to begin with. But I'm just wondering, do you have any indication as to what kind of a contract it is? Not even necessarily numbers. We don't typically talk about that, but length of deal or anything like that? I honestly don't know. I hadn't heard anything about this, if I'm being really honest, which uh, makes me even more impressed at the the story. hadn't heard a, a tap about it. You'd imagine a couple of years. You'd imagine it won't be for the same value as when he first came into Munster, given his injury profile. And I'm sure that's been factored into it. But still, he's a he's a high-profile and expensive lock, even at that. The, the numbers that were being bandied around for going to Bath or even going back to South Africa were in the kind of 400k range or, or around that. And you'd imagine he, w- he won't come cheap, even with injuries. It should be said, he's come back from back-to-back ACL injuries. And when he was playing in the World Cup, you could see that he'd, he'd quite clearly fully recovered. He was back to pretty much the peak of his powers almost. He was a huge influence in that World Cup success. He really did have a, a massive say in it and was outstanding. And it's deeply impressive that he's got back to that athletic peak. Um, at the moment, it's a shoulder chest thing that he had to have cleared up. But I think in terms of his, his knees and, and the recovery from that, he's kind of proven that he's he's done that already. And yeah, of course, I think Leinster fans will have a bit of concern around him staying fit and... And that kind of side of it. But Leinster clearly are confident that all that stuff is is okay. Neil Aber knows his medical facts as well as anyone in the world, you, you would imagine. He, he really does. So he, he'll know that there's there's a bit of certainty, as much as you can get in rugby in that regard. And it would be no surprise, Gav, would it, if he plays, if he just fit all the time next season. Like, it is, like I'm sorry to sound, because I know some Munster fans will be frustrated by this, but it is kind of comical, isn't it? It just It's just a... A mad story. Yeah, and you can understand an uh, element of grievance on their behalf. But I don't think you could have any grievance towards Snyman because ultimately Munster have, and this is harsh phrasing, but Munster have decided to cut him loose. Like they they determined that they couldn't offer him a new contract. They decided to keep Jean Klein. So what's he supposed to do at that point? Like, I mean, are you going to correct me here? Well, yeah, I, I, I was chatting someone again, trying to kind of catch up on this, chatting someone earlier today, and it sounds like Munster ideally would have kept him. Okay. They would have kept both, but that wasn't going to be feasible because the RFU obviously don't want anyone to have two NIQ second rows. It's just not an ideal situation because then you get a, they get a match day squad where maybe it's Byrne, Jean Klein, and Snyman, and that means that a Hearn or a Dog Bar or both of them potentially might not be in a match day squad. Whereas now it's Simon going to, to Leinster, he just takes Jenkins' place and they're still going to have McCarthy and James Ryan in a front line 23. So nothing really changes. Whereas if Munster keep Klein and Snyman, then an Irish second row isn't going to maybe get a, a game. Irish qualified second row isn't going to get a, a game there. So uh, from what I understand, Munster would have ideally kept Snyman. I think they actually would have been able to come up again with the the money to, to pay for it. And that's been a, a private investment over the last four years. Really generous private investment to, to have him there. Obviously, they've been deeply unfortunate with it, but we know that they love him down there. We know that he's loved it down there. And from what I can understand at the moment, they would have, in an ideal world, kept him. But you can see why the RFU maybe wouldn't want that uh, with two NIQs in the same place. Obviously, John Klein, uh, I'm guessing here now, but I'd say he's a cheaper second row. And with Snyman's 
big injury history over the last four years, it was probably a tough one to to push the boat on that. Yeah, and I appreciate all of that, but all I mean is that, like, Munster absolutely wanted to keep Snyman, I know that for sure, but what I mean is it was determined above them that they couldn't, and it became a Sophie's choice between two of their NIQ locks, and they backed Klain, for obvious reasons, I think. Like... He's been there for longer. He's He was their player of the season, arguably, last season. He also has settled there family-wise. And he doesn't have the same injury profile as Snyman, right? It sounds like it wasn't quite as simple as that, though. And, and that, I mean, that's kind of this simple... It's not quite a decision because all this stuff has to happen simultaneously, doesn't it? Like, you can't just do one contract and then go and try and, oh, we'll deal with Snyman after that. You've, you've got to do it all at the same time and you're juggling six or seven other, 12 other contract negotiations at the same time. I think they probably were speaking to both the players or speaking to RFU about both players at the same time. And so you probably can't just wait. We'll get Klein done. Then we'll try and get Snyman. They're probably trying to do both at the same time. They get Klein sorted, I would say, pretty quickly. It sounds like that was done and dusted. They He wanted to stay. They wanted to keep him. Snyman had other options on the table. So probably signed an, an extension with Klein. And then we're hoping that they could also do that with Snyman. So I don't think it was just a case of going, you can have one of them right now, make a decision. Um and they're the, the bits that kind of happen invisibly to us. And maybe it would be good if we got a bit more insight into those on the record when Nusifor, whoever speaks, but that's not the case and it's never going to be. At the end of it, right, with Snyman moving to Leinster, like, I suppose I'm asking you, does he owe anything to Munster at this point? Bearing in mind they have invested a lot of time in him where he's been very unfortunate with injuries, but Munster backed him with the second contract after back-to-back ACLs. Like, I suppose I'm asking, would you understand if Monster fans were aggrieved that he has decided to move to Leinster when there probably were other options on the table? But also taking into account that, as you say, his wife and kid, he lives in Ireland, he doesn't have to move country now. There's real life implications to these decisions. It's not a game of football manager either. Yeah, I I, I don't really understand that. Like, it's just, it's a job and he's got to make the best decision for him having been told that he's not going to be able to stay in Munster. And what's the best decision for him right now is probably say in Leinster, work with a coach that he knows really well. Of course, there's a rivalry there, but like, is there people who actually are going to be angry about this? I don't know. I think they'll get over in the in the space of 10 minutes and, and understand that that's the decision that he's got to make. And I'm sure it caused him some anguish and uncomfortableness and I'm sure maybe there'll be awkwardness even within, but I'd say the players more than anyone will, will get it. Um, like he's given a lot I know he hasn't been able to play but he has given a lot to, to Munster like you speak to any of the lads and and they really have appreciated what he's done the energy he's brought everyone always says it four years pretty much injured but he's always come in smiling bringing energy I was speaking to even Owen O'Connor who was one of the guys who was injured at the same time and now he's gone on to Exeter but he said Snyman was brilliant with him like they worked really closely together I know a few of the other second rows have said he was influential on them and he did as much as he could. He was deeply, deeply unlucky. He was deeply, deeply grateful, I think, and I'm sure he'll say it himself whenever everything's confirmed, for what Munster did for him and for the way he was received in the squad and by the fans. And, I mean, hopefully there's no nastiness or bitterness around it. Obviously, it's great that we have rivalry and people feel that passionately, but I think it would be sad if that was on a, a personal level, to be honest. And I think in fairness, I'm probably creating a straw man there where those people probably don't even exist. I, I think maybe any any annoyance I've seen from Munster fans is more so that 
as you say, there's a comical element to it from a Leinster perspective to have taken Snyman off their hands. And Leinster fans absolutely <laughs> saw it and the Monster fans were just like, <laughs> yeah, you're do. well within your rights to do it. Like yeah, when it came but, to the URC semi-final a while back and Monster beat Leinster, it's, <laughs> that's part of it. Like sport is meant to be about a little bit of childishness. Like it's a kind of a little refuge for that element of our characters that we bury in real life. And totally, if the, the kind of childish side and the fun side of it is good, but like you'd hope there's no one abusing him in person or if they see him on the street. I don't think that would be the case. It is, it, but it is like it is a huge rivalry, and there is there's spite there, and it's great that it's building again, and and the games recently have helped that, and this will obviously add another another um, kind of string to that uh, increased rivalry. So it's fun in that regard, and. Maybe Munster should go and sign Jason Jenkins again and get him back down and continue this weird cycle that's happening at the moment. <laughs> he actually wouldn't be a bad signing to bring down if they're going to replace. Um, but they, of course, they wouldn't be able to do it with the with Klein now and IQ. Um, but it's a it's been a mad couple of years in this kind of second row Munster Leinster back and to and fro. It's been really strange to be honest. Yeah, I think Munster fans are probably more so put off or put out by this situation rather than Simon personally that's kind of my overriding sense of it when you hear news as jarring as that you're like oh what the hell you know but when you actually break it down like you can't hold it against Simon it's just a very from a monster perspective it's a very unfortunate circumstance in which to find yourself you know uh, one of the suggestions was that Leinster send down Kieran Frawley uh, just as a peace offering <laughs> that was a, a suggestion made in our subscribers whatsapp group the, the listeners to the rugby weekly extra podcast during the week obviously it was instantly rejected and chastised but uh, for all these i think his father is from claire i think he uh he had a, a poster in his bedroom of monsters 2006 heineken cup win for a long time uh, a friend of mine was a neighbor of his in scaries growing up <laughs> but the reason i bring up Frawley really is a very clumsy seg into chatting about Leinster's team to play Sale Sharks this weekend. He gets the nod at 10 as expected with Harry Burnout with, um, well, he's uh, following return to play protocols at the moment. Otherwise, about as you expected from Leinster against a, a pretty strong Sale side as well. Well, Sale have actually ended up resting a, a, a good few. Um, I'm kind of just catching up on all the team news and I'm looking at the Sale side and it's um, it's not as strong as it was. I, it's almost a bit disappointing and Maybe if Leinster had known, they might have made a few more changes themselves, but they're still trying to get a, a kind of real string of form into their frontliners, aren't they? This is probably only the third game they've played together this season. I think it's great that there is that level of continuity with a couple of changes. Frawley absolutely deserves an opportunity and it's injury, I suppose, to the Burns who's that, that's handed it to him, but he's certainly in form in this position and has done a really good job against Munster and against La Rochelle. I think it's going to be brilliant to see him as the guy who's been running this team for the week and is now the main man in charge because that's the biggest challenge for him as, a, as an out half and that's the thing he has the least experience of is being the leader of the week and that's a really underrated part of the job Leo Cullen mentioned again after last weekend about how Harry Byrne had done it during the week really well it's something that we don't get to see and it's something that Frawley because he's generally come on and out half or been covering a few different positions that he hasn't got to do and and it's a demanding job being really on top of the playbook having a really good understanding of what exactly you want to do in every single area of the pitch understanding everyone else in the team's roles and their jobs as well as your own and and still playing with an instinctive and clear head in in the the heat of a, of a big game so that's the the challenge for him and it's exciting to see it's exciting to see if he can really grasp that because undoubtedly he has some momentum now and 
this is a really good time to be fit and available when others are injured because the Ireland squad is going to be named in a in a matter of weeks, you know, for, for Six Nations. And we know that Andy Farrell and, and co like Kieran Frawley, so brilliant opportunity for him. And then Thomas Clarkson's another one who gets a, a big opportunity, his first appearance in the Champions Cup. He's in a starting tight head and he'll be, I, I guess, unbelievably excited to to push his career on a bit and try and show that he's got the the ability to to push up that pecking order. Jason Jenkins rotates in into the second row, but you've got Joe McCarry there in the bench. It's it's tough for Will Connors to drop out of the twenty three. Josh van der Fleer is the one who starts at seven, and Jack Conan is back from his injury nickel into the into this matchday squad. Really tough for him, having had such a good game, but it just underlines again the array of options that Leinster have. And I'd be surprised if Connors doesn't have a a big say again at some stage of the season, whether that's sooner or later. I, I think he has a, a definite role to play in this squad now. You can see him getting a run out in a couple of the interbros over Christmas for sure. Like he, he'd be made for those games. And he's another one, like you, you mentioned Frawley there and I, I know that was a bit of messing in the, the WhatsApp group or whatever, but I think Connors is one who's out of contract at the end of the season. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. And all this stuff is happening in the background now. It's a really tumultuous time, kind of November, December, where lads are trying to get things sorted before the new year. You don't want to drag it on into towards the end of the season and have that uncertainty and I'll be really interested to see if there are any, I'm not saying this with any knowledge of anything, any interprovincial moves this summer and whether some kind of obvious deficiencies in in, in certain squads are, are maybe filled by Irish qualified, Irish players. I think that would be something good to see. Nusifor obviously has been beating this drum for a long time. He's on the way out at the, you know, next summer and hasn't really happened. It hasn't happened that successfully yet to be to be honest at all so um maybe he'll have a another kind of final push before he goes i realized that i was looking at a, a graphic of the sale sharks team that hammered stade francais so just <laughs> because we're recording immediately after the teams are named here and yeah just looking at their team now weakened is probably almost a an understatement that, that is disappointing isn't it like when you consider that they're top of the premiership they're coming off the back of what was a resounding home victory and you kind of think geez particularly as we were saying a couple of weeks ago with La Rochelle not quite firing on all cylinders yet and having just lost to Leinster you don't know how their knockout run is going to go yet they might wind up away from home for example Toulouse are going to lose Antoine Dupont they've already lost Roman Entomac on France duty it's a little bit more of an open competition this season or at least it feels that way to me it's just a bit of a pity I know in fairness Sale can get hockeyed in this game and they can still you could argue they could still even see like a home last 16 type, but it just feels, ah, it's a bit of a letdown. It, you know, you've got like the top team in the URC currently against the top team in England currently. That has the makings of a great game and you only play them once this time around. It's not home and away anymore. You kind of just want to see two teams going full pelt at it, but like it's, I don't know. You can talk about this game through the lens of the Leinster players that are getting opportunities, but it kind of feels almost pointless talking about the game now, doesn't it? It's a real shame. Real shame for the competition. I suppose you can see it from their point of view. They started off really well, even with their strongest team, come to Dublin, get beaten, get physically battered for heading into that important phase of the season where they play Saracens at home next in the Premiership and they're away to Northampton. But like you look at the other fixtures, they're away to Stormers in January and then they've La Rochelle at home, which aren't easy fixtures anyway. So they'll still have a lot of work to do, but clearly they feel maybe this game was going to be a step too far anyway. And why fatigue further your your key players? But I, I was actually, as we discussed on Wednesday, really looking forward to 
the challenge that they would have presented in a different way to, to Leinster, but it's very hard to see anything other than a big Leinster win. Connacht have it all to do away to Saracens. Jack Carty makes his return there. Shane Bolton gets his first start. And Gavin Thornbury is back as well after a long time out. It's a pretty strong-looking Connacht team, but we know they're up against it. We've previewed the games in pretty serious detail during the week on Rugby Weekly Extra. Just on the Connacht team, though, Mur, what do you make of it? And seeing that selection, would it give you any kind of an inclination that they have a slightly better chance than you would have thought during the week? It's wonderful to see Gavin Thornbury back, a really fine rugby player and a really important figure in Connacht. Line-out leader, but also a big, heavy, physical lock, experience now, a good calming personality, excellent line of steals, can offload. He's he's a really fine player. He was in the Ireland mix a few years ago. He's been desperately unlucky. So fingers crossed he can stay fit and, and available because he, he's going to be really important. I think it's a bit of a shame that Carty's 200 comes away in Saracens. I know that's, I don't know, a bit sentimental of me, but I thought it would have been cool to see that in the, the sports ground. I thought it would have been cool for the fans to have that at some stage in some stage um, in the kind of recent weeks, but it's not to be. It's still an amazing milestone for a player who's given so much and will come back now with more motivation than ever to show that he's still top dog after JJ Hanron's kind of run in the, the starting side. And again, I think that's a that's a boost to him because when, Car- when Connacht are at their best, Carty's on song and he's kicking well and he's taking his chances off the tee and he's creating with his ability to to pick out space even under pressure and with, with line speed that's going to come from from Saracens loads of changes as kind of I think had to be the case I know Peter Wilkins was defending their their performance slightly in the in the media this week and he didn't agree with the, the notion that it was an embarrassing performance but clearly he agrees that it wasn't an acceptable or uh, kind of performance that they they would in any way accept. So I think the the changes are definitely a result of that. And even with loads of changes, it looks like a, a strong side. So it's really difficult task to go there and, and win in Saracens. They've got a, a kind of array of stars in, in their team. And it's hard to see it, but we all need to see a better Connacht performance and, and one where even if Saracens get a few purple patches, that Connacht really remain competitive all the way to the final whistle. Yeah, whether or not it was embarrassing, I guess if you're making nine changes to your team, your team is going to be pretty embarrassed by that reality, I think. It's interesting what you mentioned about Carty and the two hundo. Uh, maybe, like, because Connacht are away to Ulster the following week, aren't they? Maybe you could do something at the sports ground, just a presentation before the Monster game on New Year's Day or something along those lines. It would be nice just to have that moment in time marked for a guy who was given so much of the province, you know. I'm sure they will. I don't know what they want to do it before a game though really like it's it's a tough it's just circumstantial again isn't it it's nobody's fault it happens it happens but a fine, a fine achievement for him and um, a player who definitely believes he has loads more to offer not just with Connacht in a in an Ireland conversation and he seems to be unfulfilled by the experiences he's had so far so I think it would be brilliant for Connacht if he can get back on a on a good run of form he's their skipper he's their talisman and they Really need people like that to step up now. Ulster at home to Racing on Saturday night, and they've kind of lent on seniority here, uh, Murray, in the sense that you've brought they've brought Rob Herring back in to start Tom Stewart on the bench, where from where he can make a massive impact, I'm sure. And the same goes for Nathan Doak, who'll be coming off the bench because John Cooney starts. Mm-hmm. Even just looking at like Henderson and O'Connor as a combo in, at lock, you know, kind of first team captain slash club captain combo in a way and um, 
it's a really experienced Ulster team. And actually, it's funny. I had the exact same impression when I saw Ulster's team last week. It's tough to see that Ulster team actually losing if you go through it one by one. I don't quite have the same impression when you look at the Racing team. I just mean that this Ulster team, this 23 at Ravenhill, I'm kind of a little bit optimistic about their chances without sufficient reason, you could argue. But I just think geez Cooney like <laughs> I don't know just seeing the name seeing the seniority again the experience I'm like they're going to give this a good rattle I think they absolutely have to and it feels like a kind of balanced on the edge and the, and the season could go either way and, and this is one of those big nights where they they need to be in control of which way it goes now there's no excuse here really they've they've got an excellent team they know exactly what they want to do and the likes of Kitsov have kind of set the tone by saying they need to deliver more and he was very honest when he he spoke this week it is a boost for him to have Billy Burns back we should mention that because it was a kind of live debate in recent weeks and I think they missed him when he went off last weekend I think it, it did play a role and Flannery didn't quite get to the, the pitch of it and that's understandable because he's still on his kind of learning curve in, in games of that magnitude but Burns remains he remains important to them the other one that I'm really interested to keep an eye on is Lowry now Mike Lowry at fullback who was like a runaway train at, uh, at times a couple of years ago and he got his Ireland cap and hasn't featured at all again since he went on the tour of, of New Zealand in 2022 but wasn't in the test side and it's kind of faded out completely from that conversation and, and seems to be a bit of a forgotten man but he's a real game breaker and a person who can massively make a difference in a game like this with loads of hulking giants running around the place battering each other his ability to beat people with his footwork and his acceleration could be really important so again there's a guy I'd love to see getting back up to to the speed we know he can move at and he's a, a phenomenon when he does that Amid, amidst all the experience around him he's hopefully going to have a big role to play and and again there, there's a there's a point for Ulster. If the likes of Lowry and Balakoon can get towards the heights that they're capable of, that'll be a good sign that things up front are, are ticking on nicely. The scrum has to have a big response this weekend against uh, a pack that includes Trevor Niakane and a few other big bruisers. It'll be another tough test, but you can only imagine that they will produce a response. Again, we had pretty meaty chats about the four provinces, their games last weekend and these upcoming games with Birch on Monday's Rugby Weekly Extra podcast and with Owen Toolan as well on Wednesday and it's the 42.e forward slash extra if you want to subscribe there and get two additional podcasts per week. Uh, this free episode on a Friday of the 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundee Motors, Ireland's favourite and number one car site with the largest range of premium cars in the country including brand new cars, electric cars and premium used. Monster then are... Away to Exeter and they've made six changes and some of the players who you would have hoped would make their return have done so. Uh, you've got Shane Daly back in there, Antoine Frisch, Craig Casey starts, Dermot Barron is back, Stephen Archer, Jack O'Donoghue starts. Still no returns yet for Peter Romani and Edwin Adogbo. And then Ollie Yeager may make his, well, he will make his European debut off the bench. Uh, Brian Gleeson on the bench as well. It's just, I can't help but think this is just a 50-50 game on paper. I don't know what you think. We had said during the week, it's a kind of a typical monster game where you'd kind of fancy them. But I don't know, once the teams are named, you're trying to envisage envisage how the game plays out. And I almost see it being a draw again, to be honest, at Sandy Park. I don't know about you. It's a tough one to call. I think Munster are certainly looking stronger 
on paper with those changes back. Shane Daly returning at 15, he's he's been having a fine season so far and it gives a better balance, I think, to the back line. He's a na- really natural fit at, at 15 and an experienced player now. Sean O'Brien comes through his HIA protocols and he's done well on the wing. We obviously expect him to play in midfield, but Frisch and, and Nankovell have struck up a good understanding so far and to have the pair of them back together in harness is, is a real strength to, as well. I think the Casey Crowley combination works really nicely for Munster now in, in terms of how they try to play in, in attack in particular and to have them from the off is a is a, a key bit to it. Barron as well, like he's become such an important kind of senior member of the team, hasn't he? Obviously been a, a leader a lot and they missed him, I think. Interesting to see Gavin Coombs return into the second row, which he's done at times for Munster over the last couple of seasons. You almost think, why would they not just put Tom Ahern in there and uh, keep Gav Coombs in, in the back row? But Tom Ahern has been working so well in that number six shirt. The the role really suits him, both in terms of what he's doing at set piece and the, the pressure he's putting on there. Like one of his line-out steals, again, gives him the chance at a late drop goal or a late chance to win against Bayon last weekend. He's incredibly well suited to the 15-metre channel role in, in attack and they'll really be hoping to get more ball into those into those two 15-metre channels in this game with hopefully better conditions as as forecast at the moment and he can do some damage there and then Coombs can I suppose use his heft and his power in the close carrying tighter to the to the rocks and and do some damage there um so it, it kind of does make sense even though it's a little bit jarring when you, you first see it I think it's incredibly exciting to have Brian Gleeson in the match day squad because you're kind of still half wondering will he go off and do another season with the Ireland under 20s and maybe he still will feature at some stage for the Ireland under-20s, but to me it makes more sense to have a guy who's clearly looks like he's ready to, to push on at this level to do that and not kind of... Not that it'd be a waste to work, work with Richie Murphy and co at 20s level, but but to go back and do that again. So I'm excited to see him get unleashed into into a game like this. The Chiefs are an interesting one. They're, they had every reason to kind of, as we discussed on Wednesday, kind of not collapse this season, but but ease off but they've actually done really well and that win in Toulon was incredibly impressive just their resilience and some of the defensive work was excellent their kicking game remains a really strong point and they can as they showed for the Max Nori try the replacement hooker they can still batter through a hundred phases and, and and pick and jam over your try line so they've still got that strength to their game and even though the personnel have changed and there's an exciting energy from some of these 20, 21 year olds the existing kind of Exeter Chiefs philosophy is is still there with Rob Baxter. So um, an interesting challenge. I still, my gut feeling is that still Munster will have enough and they will prevail. But I think it's going to be a battle over there. They haven't won over there yet in, in Europe, in Champions Cup rather, Munster. Uh, and so it will be important boxer them to tick. I think if Munster are on it, they win that game. But if they're in any way off it, the Chiefs are defiant enough to turn that into a, a big mess, I think. Not, not even a mess of a game, just a mess for Munster. You know, they'll get after them. It's going to be a really good game. It really could. It really could. And Munster are very aware of where they've been lacking. It's been obvious to all of us around the, the set piece. I can only imagine the forwards have just been spending all week, w- w- spending all their time around that and making sure that every single one of them is nailed on for detail on on what lineouts they're going to use. Maybe simplify the menu in that regard their their mall D as well and making sure that they just absolutely nail that part of the game that's more important than their attack this weekend is nailing those, those set piece bits and the rest of it will flow off it they haven't been happy with the 
detail of their attack Jack Crowley who always speaks quite impressively was we were chatting to him during the week and he said sometimes it's just a case of one extra back swinging onto the open side and they were just missing that at key times where maybe two passes will send someone through they were just missing that extra body coming working around the corner and so they're very aware of how they can improve um, and it's just a case of doing it against an Exeter Chiefs defence who they will look to come hard and put pressure on and, and even make a few make or break reads for the Christmas shoppers among you if you're struggling for an idea as to what to get for your sports mad nephew niece uncle brother whatever why not give them the gift of the 42 this year it's the 42.e forward slash gift there's a special offer there until this Sunday night which is the 17th of December where you can get a year's access for your chosen recipient for 50 euro you can schedule it so that it only arrives on christmas day or whenever you want it no unwanted surprises and it is the 42.e forward slash gift as i say do you want to park it there Mer? i didn't know what you were going to say there i thought you were going to ask me for recommendations for christmas gifts but that's definitely the best one i could have thought of that's how that's how seamless my <laughs> plugs are to be honest it's just professionalism ultimately fine job enjoy the robbie gav good to chat <laughs> yeah great to see you you too and catch everyone else on Monday for Rugby Weekly Extra and we'll be back again next Friday in this free slot if you don't fancy that quite yet uh, that's it take care everyone have a great weekend speak soon put the boys in the better land you're always talking about the boys in the better land the boys in the better land Join the stop names for the two double barrels he spits out bricks out only smokes carols